Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, ControlUp, end-to-end digital experience management for the work-from-anywhere era. ControlUp, happy users, happy IT. And also brought to you by PolicyPack Software, now part of Networks, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lockdown applications, Java, browsers, and mitigate ransomware, plus more. And of course, also brought to you by Lucidware, the innovator in adaptive workspace management solutions. If you enjoy the show each week, you have these awesome sponsors to thank. And now for some news. In pretty incredible news this week, TomHardware.com shared that for the first time ever, AMD's market cap has surpassed Intel's. Closing on February 15th with a market cap of $197.75 billion versus Intel's $197.24 billion, giving AMD a narrow lead. AMD's acquisition of Zillinix triggered the conversion of 248.38 million Zillinix shares into 428 million new AMD shares, which is said to be a process that is still ongoing. Added to AMD's existing 1.2 billion shares, that brings the company's overall share count to 1.628 million, giving AMD a market cap now of the $197.75 billion that just squeaks by Intel by a mere $51 million. The report also reminds us that AMD was close to bankruptcy just six years ago, so this is truly remarkable. I would also throw in my own speculation that contributing factors may be some missteps by Intel with the likes of Spectre and Meltdown, Apple obviously switching from Intel processors to their own M1 chips, and AMD also seeing a surge in sales of their GPUs due to the surge in crypto mining may have also been contributing factors. Now, the report I'm referencing doesn't say this. This is just my own observations from covering the news every week on this podcast. But on the acquisition of Zillinix, that contributed to pushing AMD past Intel for market cap, the register reported that the intention to acquire the company was actually made in 2020, but it only just cleared this week. AMD has slipped Zillinix into a new unit called Adaptive and Embedded Computing Group, which will be led by the former Zillinix CEO, Victor Peng. The register reports that Zillinix GPUs are used in industries AMD doesn't have a big foothold in by itself, like automotive and telecoms. An interesting point also is that with the silicone chip shortage, it is possibly advantageous to own another chip manufacturer. I would imagine that increases the output for AMD, though I'm sure it will still be lower than usual and hoped, I'd bet. A story of another rumored acquisition this week was reported by the Wall Street Journal, and that is that Cisco offered Splunk, who are a major data observability and security information and event management provider, $20 billion for an acquisition. People close to the company said the talks occurred recently. However, 
Those same sources went on to indicate that Cisco and Splunk aren't currently talking to each other. I don't understand how the same people could say, hey, they're talking to each other, but they're also not talking to each other. And unfortunately, channelweb.co.uk stated that neither company would comment on the news. So it may be complete BS, but very, very interesting. $20 million is a lot, and a lot of organizations rely on Splunk. So interesting times. In some other acquisition news, TechCrunch.com reported that Zendesk's board rejected a deal from a private equity firm on grounds that it undervalued the company. In a statement, they said they were duty-bound to review such an offer, but after doing so, they felt confident about rejecting it. The Wall Street Journal reports that the company could find itself in a shareholder battle concerning private equity interest in its business, along with its efforts to close the deal to acquire the company that owns SurveyMonkey, so the matter may not be closed with management's dismissal of this particular offering. Man, the boardroom is a tough place. I'm just on season two of the show Succession, (laughs) and this is right up that alley. A new feature has come to Azure Virtual Desktop, and that is the ability to assign and unassign personal desktops. With this added capability, you no longer have to delete and recreate a session host to remove a user assignment. Instead, you can simply select unassigned user or assign to a different user in the portal UI. It's the simple things in life, people. They say you can also unassign or reassign a personal desktop using PowerShell or REST API. Sticking with Microsoft, but Microsoft also announced a public preview of Azure Active Directory certificate-based authentication across their commercial and U.S. government clouds. Microsoft's statement on this suggests the ability to use X.509 certificate for authentication directly against Azure AD is particularly critical for federal government organizations using PIV or CAC cards and looking to easily comply with the executive order 14028 requirements. And if you're not familiar with the executive order 14028, that attempts to charge multiple agencies with enhancing cybersecurity through a variety of initiatives related to the security integrity of the software supply chain. So it kind of makes sense that they need to have robust protections in place for authentication. And Microsoft's own statement suggests it furthers their initiatives and story around zero trust. Several versions of Visual Studio are reaching end of support. So Visual Studio 2012 support ends on January 10th, 2023. Visual Studio 2017 mainstream support ends April 12th, 2022. Visual Studio 2019 version 16.7 support ends on April 12th, 2022 as well. And also Visual Studio 2019 preview channel will no longer provide updates to the preview channel of Visual Studio 2019 after April 2022. And the advice here is to upgrade to Visual Studio 2022. No surprise. Citrix have announced a feature to allow Citrix Cloud customers to use their own custom domain along with the usual cloud.com domain. So if you've been using Citrix Workspaces, you're obviously using a cloud.com 
domain and URL to access that today, well, now you can have your own custom domain as well as the cloud.com domain. In a bizarre but fun tech story that is not at all enterprise related, but I thought it was too good to not share, Ars Technica has reported that some Mazda owners in the Seattle area are stuck with bricked infotainment systems after listening to a particular radio station. The report suggests the problem began on January 30th and afflicted Mazdas from model years 2014 to 2017, so not even that old. Uh, But when those cars were tuned to the local NPR station, KUOW 94.9, at some point during the day's broadcast, a signal from the radio station caused the Mazda's infotainment systems to crash. The screens died and the radios were stuck on 94.9 FM. From there, the systems became trapped in a rebooting loop, never successfully completing the task. When owners took their cars to be checked at their local dealers, they were told that the connectivity master unit was dead and needed to be replaced. The problem here was that a new unit cost $1,500. And that's only if you can find one. The report suggests you can't find them because of supply chain problems. This problem, according to Mazda, was that the radio station sent out image files in its HD radio stream that it did not have an extension for, and it seems that Mazda's systems of that generation need an extension to tell what a file is. No extension means no idea, and the system got corrupted. Mazda told Ars Technica that it has distributed service alerts to dealers advising them about the problem, and although replacement units are currently delayed, they should be replaced free of charge. I guess good thing people can listen to tune-in radio on their phones and just have that on in the car instead until they get their radio replaced. And just a couple of quick ones to wrap up the news, but I was honored to be awarded as a VMware VExpert again this year. Congratulations to all new and renewed VMware VExperts, including my ControlUp colleagues, Vouter, Benny, Tom, and Trenton. And finally, I'm also thrilled this week to be awarded as a Citrix CTP. I resigned from the group in 2019 to focus on family, but my family has settled well in Ireland, and it's a good time to return. Again, here, congratulations to all new and renewed CTPs and CTAs, including my colleagues at ControlUp. And I may as well use this opportunity to say that any CTAs out there who might be listening, or even those who are not a CTA or a CTP or MVP or VExpert or whatever, uh, if you would like to be one of those and you'd like the opportunity to speak at conferences, to show contributions in the community, to apply to those programs, but maybe you're having difficulty getting selected as a speaker or possibly you just don't want to do it by yourself or you're just not comfortable doing speaking. I was thinking it might be a good idea to co-present with community members in the future. So I speak at a lot of conferences and when I was at E2EVC a couple of years ago, community rock star Esther Bartel was not speaking. I was asking why she wasn't speaking at the event. And she told me she was cooling it on speaking at conferences to give others a chance. And that made me look at myself and the fact that I speak at a lot of events. I don't want to also take opportunities from others. But I've also noticed in the last couple of years 
that there haven't been too many new faces and voices speaking at events. So if you'd like to be one of those new voices and new faces and start contributing sessions at events, and you'd like a co-presenter, I would be happy to work with you. So just reach out to me on Twitter at Rory Mon. And now a weekly webinar. This week's weekly webinar is going to be a user group online meetup for the cloud paging user group. It will take place on February 25th, which is a Friday at 2.30 p.m. GMT time. In this meetup, we plan to have Numescent attend to provide an overview of their new cloud pager product as it is now generally available. And we will also cover cloud paging performance optimizations, design concerns, and lessons learned as the topics that were requested by the group by survey. And just a quick reminder that Policy Pack Lockdown, an all-day event, is taking place on Friday the 18th. I figured I'd mention it again, even though I mentioned it last week, just in case I get the episode out before it begins. And now this episode, Scripts, Tricks, and Tips. I noticed an awesome looking Pluralsight course on Kubernetes security cluster setups. So Kubernetes has been a huge topic over the last few years. It's one that I'd love to learn more about, and I figured maybe some of you would too, and this could be a great opportunity to learn about it. And I'll share a link to that with this episode, which is episode 217, and you'll find that on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links for this episode. And I share links to everything I talk about on every episode over at 5bytespodcast.com under the reference links. My buddies and colleagues, Trenton Tai and Joel Stalker, hosted a webinar on ending slow logons forever. I watched it during the week. It's a really awesome webinar. And if you haven't tried the Analyze Logon Duration script that is out there in the community, you really owe it to yourself to give it a look. And on that webinar, Trenton goes through it in painstaking detail and just gives you a really great technical breakdown of looking at logon durations and how to improve them. And if you're interested in sitting under the learning tree, I saw that Sam Tool on Twitter tweeted out an excellent thread about Epic, which is Epic Systems who make an electronic health record platform that's your that's used globally. I believe it's mostly used in the United States, but they've been expanding outside the United States pretty quickly. Epic is a really interesting company because they are massive, and they also now happen to be the holders of the majority of Americans' electronic health records. What I find really fascinating is the fact that this very large, rich company seems to be choosing to remain private rather than going to IPO, and that together with the fact that The majority of Americans, at least, health records are in Epic is really, really interesting. So check out this thread for yourself to learn more about Epic. And finally, Peter Vandervoet published a blog on getting started with the Windows updates for business deployment service. So that was new, I think, a few months ago, the Windows update for business deployment service. I covered it on the podcast. And it seems like a pretty interesting one, particularly with more people moving to supporting remote work, work from anywhere, 
and also possibly Windows 365, Azure Virtual Desktop, and Cloud Desktops. Well, that's it for this episode of the podcast. If you have some time and you'd like to help me out, I'd appreciate it if you could go to your podcast platform of choice, give the podcast a rating and a review because it helps get the word out and may catch the eyes and ears of other listeners. Thank you so much for listening.